If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. Welcome to another episode of And Security for All. I hope you all have had a great week. I, I can't actually believe it's Friday. I feel like this week flew. Um, as many of you know, I'm also the CEO of FutureCon Events, and we put on cybersecurity conferences all over North America. We finally got a little bit of downtime. We were on a roll doing back-to-back -back shows, and thank heavens for my team and all of us. We got about a three-week break, which is huge for us. Um, that was due because of another huge event happening out in Las Vegas, Black Hat. I hope everyone is having fun out there and enjoying all the vendors and all the networking time at that event. It's in Las Vegas, and I think there's like 30,000, 40,000 people out there. So I'm a little jealous that I'm not out there, but I had to take some downtime. But on an entirely different topic, I wanted to send our prayers and well wishes to all the people out in Maui right now. I have a special place in my heart for Hawaii. I spent four years <clears throat> out there um, right in the beginning of my military career. And it is a sad, sad situation what's happening to them. And what's sad is it's not just land, it's sacred ground that's burning down down there, not to mention all the family homes and the death toll continues to climb. I know Alaska Airlines is doing some great things. They're trying to get people out of there, but again, not fast enough. So we just hope that, you know, we can send our wishes and they get the care that they need and get those fires out and um, just hoping the best for them. It's very sad watching that it doesn't seem to be getting any better, but hopefully uh, soon they'll get that under control. Today, um, we have a different topic we haven't really talked about. We've talked about the cybersecurity industry and how hard it is for people finding jobs and how people may be um, underqualified. Today, we're gonna talk about finding um, a job and managing your career. And that is not just for the entry level people, that is a lot. I get tons, I meet so many great um, C-level executives all over the country. I meet so many great CISOs, CTOs, CIOs that keynote our events. And, you know, there's a big burnout factor there. I get a lot of emails with people asking me, um, you know, they've just left their position and they're trying to find something else. Some people go out and branch off onto their own consulting career. But there's just so many different, I feel like, crossroads of what you're going to do about finding and managing your career. Today, I have um, Steve uh, Winterfield. He is advisory CISO for Akamai Technologies, and he also is a guest host on the show. And we are going to talk about that topic today. So welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks. I'm excited to be here and I'm and fairly passionate about this topic. So I appreciate the chance to share with everybody. 
So tell us a little bit about your career. I think it would be appropriate to kind of find out where you started and what your career path looked like and how you ended up being an advisory CISO. And, and really, when we get to the end of that, I'd like you to kind of explain what does that mean, an advisory CISO. But let's just kind of talk about the beginning and how it all started for Steve Winterfield. So interestingly enough, um, I, you know, am old enough that there weren't classes on cyber. And so it was a hobby. It was a passion, uh, a lot of reading, a lot of hands-on. And then, you know, over time, um, I was ready to, to move into technology as my primary job. Uh, I got an opportunity to move out of running a simulation center for the Army, Battle Simulation Center. And going down and building a regional computer emergency response center, which is basically just a, a sock for the Army Southern Command. Um, and it was, it was, you know, a little bit of networking, a little bit of luck, but it was truly trying to follow my passion. And so from there I went and, um, you know, branched out as a, it was a first role as a defense contractor. They then uh, one of the reasons I want to share today ended up uh, in my CTL role, cyber CTL role, got laid off um, and made a decision to to leave the defense contractor scene and go out into commercial. So I was a CISO for Nordstrom Bank back when uh, Nordstrom and Cabela's, I think, were the two last retailers to have their own banks. And so ended up running a lot of Nordstrom cyber securities, went, moved over to build out threat intelligence and ended up taking over incident response and a few other programs at Charles Schwab. Uh, again, a great opportunity. And finally, you know, I was, there were a few vendors I really respected and Akamai asked if I'd be willing to come over and help them with their strategy, help them with their thought leadership. And so, came over to uh, Akamai where I'm a little bit more customer facing and product facing than internal security facing. Um, but that's my journey. Well, um, on a side note, we have, I'm just gonna go with Avi cause he knows I can't say his name uh, properly, but he is a CISO and um, he just told us, uh, don't be jealous of not being out in Vegas. It's pretty hot out there, but so it's a little bit of a FOMO when you're not out at those fun events, do you, you know, but Vegas is Vegas. I'm sure uh, they're all having fun. So thanks for tuning in with Avi. So then how did you end up as a um, advisory CISO? And tell us the difference of that. Um, um. So, you know, there are, there are a few terms that are floating around right now. Um, there's a advisory CISO. Uh, I just uh, saw a great uh, recording from the FSISAC uh, on an interim CISO for Silicon Valley Bank in that role. Uh, you'll see fractional CISOs and advisory CISOs. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's somebody that a company can't afford a full-time person. Um, Mine is more an evangelist role, but a lot of times when you hear advisory or fractional, it is, you know, a part-time. Maybe I can, you know, I'm a startup company. I want eight hours a week or 20 hours a month or or some fraction of a CISO. Um, you know, and then there are different leadership styles and roles. You know, you see CISOs coming in after a major event. 
Other CISOs are hired to transform. Those have generally been my job. Others are hired to maintain. Um, some are more technical, some are more business oriented. So it really is kind of a breadth of opportunities out there. So tell us a little, let's kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about, you know, finding a career and, you know, planning. I, I mean, it's hard. I, 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 we, um, we don't accept students to attend our events. And I know that sounds terrible, but we do accept students to volunteer at our events. And we meet quite a, well, I, I meet a ton of students that come to volunteer. And the reason we don't, you know, invite students to come because it is an educational event that is for, you know, um, employed IT professionals and it's a sponsored event. So if you put two and two together, you can imagine why we can't have half of our audience students, but we are out there to support the students in the community, and we do want to help them with their career path. So for them to come and volunteer at our events, you know, we let them go talk to the vendors on the floor, go sit in the sessions, go sit at a table with other, you know, employed, you know, IT professionals. But what would you say, I mean, it's still tough for them to find a job because it's, well, and, they don't, and, yeah. Yeah, that's a, you know, volunteers is a great skill builder. It's a great opportunity. You know, it. I know of people that will go become board members of volunteer organizations. Uh, I'm a committee member for the Denver the large uh, regional conference we have here. I'm on that committee for the conference. Uh, I know other people that will go in and be on a board of directors for Red Cross or some, you know, large organization. And that that's just like students where you're volunteering to get credibility to go be a board member in the future. And so all of that is is part of getting your brand out there, building your resume so it can. And so I'll start to, you know, I'll take a step back. And if you're trying to get into this, then I think the first part is you have to say, what role do I want to be? Am I a, uh, an engineer? Do I write code? Do I have those IT skills? Then I can go into operations and engineering and architecture, and, and I can start my career on that side. If, I, if I'm not into building computers or, or writing code, but I'm an analyst. I like solving puzzles. Um, then I want to do just that. I want to go become an analyst. I want to be working a security operations center, looking for compromised systems. I want to be a forensic investigator, looking to determine what happened during a breach. I want to be a pen tester to go see where there might be vulnerabilities. And if I'm not that technical, maybe I want to go in and do compliance and, and write regulations and write policy and, and help make sure that, you know, we are doing the right things for privacy and data localization and regulations and standards. And, and so there are a lot of opportunities here for, for starting out. But I want to take a break and, and just talk about experience because I've helped a few people recently that have been laid off. And Kim, I know you were just saying, you, you've talked to a number of people that have quit or been laid off or, you know, situations like that. So, so what is your, 
Tell us. So, so you're looking for a big company. I mean, here, here's an example. You know, I think I saw about a year ago. I saw the uh, CISO from GoDaddy. They had a big layoff, and he did the best thing that I think anyone could do is he had three people from his uh, security team laid off. He put their names out there on LinkedIn, and he said, "I did not want to see these people go. This is a good catch for anyone out there." Kudos to him. But not every CISO is going to do that. So, so having been laid off, having worked with people recently that were laid off, and and helped coach them through that, I want to walk you through what I consider kind of a journey of finding a job. So the first is, you know, sit down. This is a big event, it's an emotional event, but I need you to sit down and make a plan. And, and we wanna put the effort into this plan because this plan is going to determine our next salary. And so, you know, it's gonna require research, it's gonna require refreshing or building new skills. Um, you know, I went out, uh, there's a book, Ready, Aim, Hired. It's an older book on how to budget your time, how to manage your time. There are so many resources, but do the research and say, okay, I need to analyze my budget for today. How long do I have to find another job? Where can I cut expenses to, to give me three to six months worst case to find a job? Um, you know, what, what salary do I want? Am I willing to move? Am I willing to, to go to office or do I need to be remote? You know, first of all, sit down. If you have a family, sit down with your family. It's kind of a team event. Um, and, and figure out what your plan is. And if you're looking for a job, it is a job. You should be working 40 to 60 hours a week looking for your next job. And that's why I say you want to plan, budget your time, you know, and where are you going to spend your time? And so the first thing is, you know, I, once you're established, you should be building your brand. And this is, you know, all the time, not after you were laid out, but always think about building your brand. Always have your I got laid off employment go bag ready. And so the first thing is obviously your resume. You know, tons of opinions out there about the format. Find something that works for you. And your LinkedIn should be as good as your resume. It should represent you professionally. It should talk about accomplishments. You know, use stories or techniques like SAR, situation, actual result, or, or whatever you want, but talk about what you accomplished, not what your job was. And then, you know, as you put in for different jobs, it is about networking. You know, if I see a job at a company, I will look, who do I know that's working there and ask if they know the hiring manager, if they can make a reference for me. I'm not going to call my friends and say, does their company have a job for me? Because quite honestly, they don't know. But once I find an opportunity, that's when I reach out to people I know. I let people know that are important to me that, hey, I'm looking. Uh, I, I actually build a list. Who are the top 20 people that can find me my next job? Who are the top recruiters that have reached out to me in the past that I want to go let know I'm now available? How do I retexture my LinkedIn to let people know I'm looking? Um, you know, what, again, what tools do I want to use? Glassdoor, do I want a professional agency? There's a lot here that you want to make conscious decisions on. You know, once you get your resume accepted, it's the interview. I've, I've conducted interviews. I haven't been in an interview for a while. It's a skill. If I went out and tried to run a marathon today, it wouldn't go well. 
I haven't built up that that muscle. I haven't done that endurance. So, you know, I, I'm great at, at my side of the desk. I need to get better and practice at the other side. So reach out to people who are hiring managers and practice. Practice talking to a recruiter, the hiring manager, the panel that's trying to figure out who you are. HR, you know, be ready to negotiate the offer. Have themes that you want to talk about during the interview. Have thoughtful questions ready for the end of the interview. And this is so important. If you were laid off, never say you were fired. You're laid off because a company made a mistake. You're fired because you didn't do the right job. And finally, you know, this is an emotional journey if you got laid off. Find out how to manage that, how to manage the stress. Is there a support group of other people who have been laid off? You know, how are you, you know, what are you doing to manage stress? How are you doing your exercise, whatever it is? But again, get emotional support during this. Does all of that kind of ring true for you, Kim? I agree. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of proactive things you have to do. Like Avi was saying, he said, I'd also add that if you have business skills, that's important, especially if you ever want to become a CISO. But on another side of that note, you know, this kind of goes into right like the kind of events that we put on all over the country our events are regional they are the local community you know we're going to salt lake city that's not going to be people from seattle washington or california it's going to be the salt lake city cybersecurity community or whatever city we're in and we still run our events in a hybrid mode um, because there are a lot of IT people out there that are very introverted. And we don't do that because of COVID. We do that because we still are able to provide people that don't like to network the opportunity to get their educational credits. But I really urge those people to come out and be proactive and meet your peers in the community. Because when you are laid off, if that should you know, unfortunately happen, you need to know your peers that are in the community. Come sit down at a table with someone all day at an event and not just our events, you know, go to your, you know, be involved in your local chapters, be involved in ISSA, be involved in InfraGuard, be involved in OWASP, be involved in all those local chapters so you're not out there on a stranded island by yourself. Because if you don't make an attempt, and it, and you have to admit, in this industry, there are a lot of introverted people that you know do jobs, and they're quite happy sitting at their computer all day, not talking to anyone. Which goes right into Jeff uh, Clovon. Sorry if I messed that up, and he said the same thing: soft skills such as communication and conflict resolution should resonate in your online profile. But how are you going to have that if you're not networking with other people and even, you know, tagging people's comments out there and just being seen? You don't have to be a you don't have to be out there all the time, but people are going to go. When I have a guest on the show, I go look at their LinkedIn and I look at what they've ta- what they've commented on because I see that's their interest and their passion. Yeah, and I can't agree more. It when I say build your brand, your brand is done through your accomplishments. Have you written an article and got it posted somewhere? Have you posted to LinkedIn a thought piece? 
Um, what are you liking? If you're active on LinkedIn, the assumption is you're looking. There is actually a box you can check that says, you know, hey, I'm open to, to a job offer. Um, you know, those kind of things are, are critical. But what you said about networking is so important on two, you know, for my everyday job, I reach out to my peers, my and I have different mentors. I have mentors that are short-term. I have mentors that are long-term. But if I recently somebody asked me a question, it's around new technology. I wasn't that comfortable. You know, does RASP need to be in, in APIs? I'm like, mm, I don't think so, but I don't know. But I have a network of peers that I can reach out. And I'm like, hey, Brent, does this fit into this? And he's like, well, it can here and here. And he kind of confirmed what I was thinking. And he, But that network is vital for you to be successful as well as finding a job. So when you go to a conference, don't go sit by your friends. Have the discipline to go meet somebody new. Volunteer, you know, being on that committee, I've grown a network of people on the committee. You know, and these are people that are, are active in the cyber community. Um, and then manage your network. It don't passively help you build a network. And, and you're going to hear me say skill set, research, and be active a lot because you have to be active if you want this to work. You know, so your network has to be maintained. How many times do you go out with lunch with people? I probably two or three times a month go out with to lunch with some of my peers and check in and see how they're doing. Partly because I enjoy talking to smart people. Partly because I want to maintain my network. When I go, go ahead. I, I, well, I was going to say that's really difficult, though, since COVID, because I was actually driving yesterday thinking about my own team that I only have a few of my team here. I'm in St. Louis. Most of them are all over, you know, the United States. Since COVID, you know, everybody has hired remotely. And it's kind of a bummer because, you know, how, especially for smaller businesses, how are you going to have Christmas parties anymore? You know, how are you going to have happy hours anymore? You know, we, I have a few people that travel with me to my events, so I get to know them more, but, but what is your, what is your advice for, you know, that the times have changed, the world has changed. You can't just go out to lunch with your peers anymore because a lot of your peers are all over the country. So I, I have um, some of my friends, well, at work we had a virtual happy hour just last night. Um, I was doing day drinking because some of the team is on the East Coast. But, you know, we had, you know, before dinner time on the East Coast, we had a 45-minute a, a happy hour. Um, you know, it, it was a time because, especially in this virtual world, we love to get in, get our meeting done, and then, hey, I can give you back 10 minutes rather than saying, how's the family? What have you been up to? Um so it was nice to just connect to everybody and have open conversations uh, without an agenda. Uh, there are people that I have active text relationships, social media relationships. Uh, I don't know if relationships is the right thing there. Um, but it, it, it does go back to managing those, like putting the effort in to stay connected to people. And then what's reasonable? I mean, how many people can... I'll ask you this, Kim. How many people can you have an active relationship with? Uh, I'd say five or less. <laughs> and, so, and so that's it. So you have tiers of relationships. Like, you know, 
Active is, I agree, it's a smaller number. Semi-active, what is it, 25, 50, you know, loosely connected, and then, you know, somebody who's I'm connected to LinkedIn that I've never talked to. Um, well, as you get older, I think you're, you're, I think it changes. I think in your 20s, you know, you have all kinds of active relationships. And as you, you know, as your career develops and you have family, your family kind of becomes your active, you know, community a lot of times as you get older. So it is, you definitely have to try harder. It's kind of, it's, it's all reversed. It, it's in the twenties, it was easy, you know, and as you get older and you have a family, now you have to start, you kind of have to start all over unless you were in, you know, like my daughter sorority that I feel like she'll have a million friends for the rest of her life, you know, but they all may are not in her same career. But yeah. And some of those will just fade away. It's just, it, right. is, it is hard to stay connected. And so, um, you know, it's, it is something to think about. Um, you know, there are other people that, you know, maybe I connect, uh, I'll send a text message to you on holidays or something. Um, uh, but all of this does go back to, you know, it is, it is amazing how important your network is. We say it's about technology, but ultimately it's about relationships. And somebody said soft skills. Um, my background is probably more social engineering, so I'm a little bit, you know, more direct about thinking about this, but, uh, and not all social engineering has to be evil. Uh, but yeah, it, it really is critical. Um, I want to kind of transition and talk about some other skills because, you know, I, I think as you're in your career, you know, let's say whichever you got, engineering, analyst, compliance, you know, whatever track you're in and whatever level you're in, you know, individual contributor, manager, senior leader, you have what I consider the three legs of a stool and you need your technical expertise at your job. You need to be able to lead people or manage a project and then you have to understand how your company makes revenue so you can measure risk. And if you're, you know, if you don't make revenue, how are you, what's critical to your organization to measure risk? And so I wanted to, Kim, if it makes sense, let's kind of explore how you grow those skills no matter where you are in your career. Okay. And before I, um, before we go there, let me just, uh, again, thank everyone that's listening and current. Corinna had a comment. She said it's always important to network and go to networking uh, and to up the networking game as you advance in your career, which is what we just talked about. It can be lonely at the top as time goes on. And it's always about relationships and the people. And just on a side note of that, I have the great, you know, I, I'm so lucky that I get to go from city to city. And I can't tell you how many different cities, like we were just in Orange County. They have such a great cybersecurity com community there in Houston. They do in Dallas, everywhere. And again, it's really important to get involved in those groups. They want you. They're actively wanting members in their groups. And it's never, it's not that expensive. I think these groups, their fees are maybe $20. It's never anything that you can't afford. So again, thanks, uh, Corinna, for pointing that out but let's let's go ahead and shift now and talk about you know some of these skills and and i'll uh, let you take it from there 
And I do want to name some of those groups for people that may not be thinking about them. So you you mentioned one earlier, I think it was pre-show, um, ISSA chapters, ISACA chapters, ISC squared has chapters, um, InfraGuard in, in larger cities has a chapter, OWASP has chapters, um, there's, there's DEFCON chapters, there's uh, MAKE spaces, there, there are just so many groups, um, you know, and, and OWASP is, is, is probably a little bit more technical. ISSA is probably a little less technical on the average. A lot of them um, will say, um, you know, have a monthly luncheon where you're actually connecting um, or online uh, the cloud, uh, CSA cloud organization, uh, IEEE has uh, organizations, um, you know, and, and and people that have others, please uh, write in to us because these are so many opportunities to build skills, develop relationships, and and it is just so so important. Um, so, as we're thinking about this, so if if you are in a a an engineer, then your technical skills as a junior engineers are around building systems, um, configuring, updating, managing. But then as you move up, you're probably gonna, to go to the next level, you're probably gonna say, okay, do I wanna go up and, and become an architect? Do I wanna become a CTO? Do I wanna become uh, you know, a senior engineer and, and keep doing what I'm doing? Um, you know, do, do I want to lead people or do I want to stay kind of as a, a senior individual contributor? Um, there are a lot of ways you can do this, but you need to develop the skills. And I will tell you the one thing, if you're in cyber, don't get attached to your skills. You can be amazing. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, we're not on servers. We're moving to serverless and we need people who write code. And so now you either need to go somewhere that still needs your skill or you need to develop a new skill. And if you're protecting you know, servers today, you're gonna to be protecting containers tomorrow and something after that. And so it's this constant effort. I know, you know I was lucky that uh, last year I spent a lot of time focused early on artificial intelligence and data science, because I knew that was a skill that was gonna come up. And, and it wasn't on doing it, it was managing it. It was understanding how to leverage it. It was understanding what it does so that I could build it into my program. And then I brought on a data scientist that actually does work. Um, and so, you know, if you're leading people or managing projects, you know, are you delivering on time to standard within budget? If you're not doing that, you're not gonna be successful. And so that's a skill set, knowing what tools to use to do that. If you're leading people, um, I prefer the thought process of having a toolkit. You know, different people need different leadership styles. Uh, I love the platinum rule, treat others the way they want to be treated, not the way I want to be treated, the golden rule. Um, and so having those, those, those skills to lead people and interact with people are different than managing a project. And then finally, Understanding how to evaluate risk. You know, if if you're in 
uh, a soft service or a soft skill company where you're providing a service, then then where's the risk? Is it in ability for your people to get to their tools, to interact with the customers? If you have proprietary information, your risk is in a different place. If you have sensitive information, healthcare or credit cards, then your risk is in a different position. And what you protect is based on the revenue risk or the business model risk. Um, you know, and again, healthcare and pharmacy and finance and travel are all such different organizations. You need to understand what's important to them. And um, again, this is kind of off topic, but I definitely need to um, point out some of the things that uh, Corinna mentioned. She said the cybersecurity community is pretty tight, which it definitely is. And it's good to see more uh, women showing up. All professional chapters took this during COVID and they should be spinning back up. One city, I have to say, Kansas City, it is, and I don't, I can't click on Cor Corana to see what city she's from, but Kansas City is, they have done the biggest, best job with women in cybersecurity. They are strong and big and man, I wish they had I wish they had that presence in all the cities because I've been in this industry for 25 years doing this. And 25 years ago, we were lucky to see one or two women out in the audience. And I find it a very fascinating because it seems like in some regions, there's tons of women in the audience. And then other regions, you're back to like that small 5%. But we still haven't hit over 20% in the audience. And then she said the skills churn is something that does hold back, holds back the career development within cybersecurity, AI, data, science, et cetera, and ways of working, not just one skill. And she goes on to say risk management audits and oversight provide great opportunities for security professionals that may not require a skills churn. And she's from Sacramento, California. So Thanks for uh, chiming in, uh, Corinna, because we don't make it up to Sacramento yet. And then uh, Jim uh, Grownwood said, thanks for the plug on Kansas City. Kansas City, I love seeing these cities that just have such a tight community. I know uh, the the cybersecurity for women in Kansas City, They, I carry their little tags on my luggage. I'm looking at one right over there, you know, they that shout out for everything they're doing in Kansas City. Hopefully it is contagious and spreads all over the country, the um, backing. And, and just one more thing I wanna say, going back to, I was talking about um, people, students volunteering at our events. We actually in 2021 had a student that volunteered for our event. The next year she came back as an attendee working for BCD Travel. She got hired and she was a junior, uh, she was on their junior sock team or something, but it was great to see that she got a job out of coming from our event. So, yeah, Women in Tech is a great organization. Uh, if it's around your region, Women in Tech is, and it's not just for women. We're, you know, it is an organization that that men are are able to go and meet and network with women as well. Uh, and I would also say, you know, women is a challenge, but. We have a big diversity challenge in cyber. And so it is women, it is color, it is economic diversity. Uh, you know, think about uh, potentially recruiting from smaller schools and 
and having, you know, more diversity in, in across the board on who you're recruiting. But um, all of that, there's so much untapped potential. And in, a, in an area where we're hurting for skills, uh, I would encourage everybody to, to broaden their diversity reach, outreach. Yeah, I have like currently, um, I don't want anyone out there to steal my employee, but Megan, who is on the back end listening, she is a cybersecurity student. Um, well, she's not a student anymore. She's been working for me for almost five years. But I have an outsourced person helping us, you know, take some things automated. And he um, is teaching, you know, Megan, some areas, you know, it's just great to see her career grow, you know, because I've hired someone, I've outsourced someone that's, you know, kind of an advisory doing some jobs for us. But I love to see that she's growing in some other areas to help her career, you know, which hopefully she doesn't leave me, but. You do have to do that for your employees is help them grow so they can be to their full potential. So. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything about my uh, data scientist, even though she's awesome, because I don't want anybody going after her either. So I'm right there with I know. you. I want to give Megan a shout out, but it scares me. <laughs> anyway, but again, that is, you know, is it's all of our jobs to you know, um, for example, I was out in Orange County in June and there was a intern that was here from Ukraine. She um, was on a three month visa or or she came out here for school, finished, finished her education. And then she was on a three month visa and it was about to end. And unless she had a job, she was going to be sent back to Ukraine, which we but luckily there were so many I don't know what happened, but I went to our keynote speaker. I went to all kinds of people that have been supporting our events and they just hovered around her and hopefully they're helping her figure out that situation so they can get, so she, hopefully she has a job. It sounded like they were going to help her and take care of her and get her employed so she wouldn't have to go back. And that's how awesome I feel like our, the cybersecurity that our community is all about. And that's also the value of networking. And and so I want to, before we leave skills, I want to touch on one last aspect, and that's kind of the mentor, the coach, the trainer. Um, so again, recently I, I was looking at my skill set and I said, you know, I within my current role, I, I partner with marketing every now and then, and I'm really not that, that good at marketing. And so I took a six-month window and I said, I want to build my skill set, my partnership with my marketing people and get better. What, what is their, you know, key performance indicators? What methodologies? What tools? How can I be a better partner? What is their strategy? What's their plan? Um, where can I have a skill that will make them more successful as, as you know, me being a good partner? And so I, I reached out and got a mentor. Our, our chief marketing officer within Akamai sat down with me. She helped me kind of develop a plan on how to get better, who to talk to, what podcasts to listen to, what books to read. Um, and, and I think it's important to go out and find a mentor. Now, like I said before, I have, I have peer mentors that are, are people that, I reach out to for advice. I brainstorm with, you know, I, I, I might call up and say, hey, listen, you know, 
somebody called and they have a job opportunity and half of it is me talking to them and then I realize what I what I think when I'm explaining it to my mentor. Uh, half of that is them calling me and saying, you know, in, in a reverse thing, you know, they're going through something maybe personal and professional depending on your relationship. But being a mentor and finding mentors is hugely critical. And I would encourage you to do it again actively. And so you don't want to, to stumble into mentors. It's fine if you do. But if you say, hey, that person, I want to go to them for advice. I said recently, I, I know some people have come to me because they got laid off and they, they needed some support. One was emotional support, and most of them are finding a job support. But we sat down and we developed a plan together based on, on my experience. So, yeah, I and I know you're a mentor as well, Kim. Well, thank you. It, it's hard to tag me down to get me to be a mentor, but I do love our our attendees that are pretty loyal to us and they continue to come to our show. So um, Avi said, I, I, I agree with you, Avi. He said, I always want the people who work with me to grow. And if it means that they have to leave the company, it might be the best thing for them. Relationships outlast companies. And yeah, we all know that. I mean, that's just the, that's the um, nature of life. And then Kyle said, I have a direct connection to the most diverse advanced data scientists on the planet um, Earth. If you're looking for one, please feel free to connect. Coriana, Corinna, Cor Corana, I'm probably saying it right, wrong, I'm sorry. Cybersecurity mentorships are seriously needed and everyone needs to work out the best professional board to help each other achieve the best outcomes. And she said, uh, um, women in technology, the, the WITI and some of the other organizations discuss how they find mentors. That's why it's just so important to go to these, you know, local chapters in your community. And so many of them, I know here in St. Louis, like there is not really an active ISSA. And, you know, some people are trying to rebuild it. And I've mentioned I would love to sit on a board of one of those, but do I have the time? I would make the time because I think it's really important because I am in a position where I am connected with so many IT people. I think I'm a good asset to help people, you know, try to direct them to people I see that are hiring. And then um, Avi, oh, well, thanks. It was nice seeing you, Avi. He said he had to drop and um, have fun out in Vegas and uh, stay cool. <laughs> Uh, and then the other part of skill development is, of course, going after certifications. Um, I take certifications with a grain of salt. Uh, people that go take an exam course, uh, cram, get their certification, probably don't have a lot of skills. Uh, people that, that use a, a, an exam to validate their skills. Um, ultimately, I will tell you that uh, certifications will help you get through the HR gates. They will help you find a new job, um, but it, it's up to the individual if you like them. Then the last top, go ahead. No, go ahead. You finished. You, you go ahead. No, I was going to go down a different track, so I asked your question. Well, I was just going to ask you, you know, I was thinking about Avi, who lives out of Black Hat, and, you know, we like to go out. I take some of my team out to RSA purely just to kind of have fun. It's a fun break for us to see of all our friends. But people forget, you know, what happens at those big events. 
So do you think that, though, and I definitely, I, I think, I'm not trying to say anything bad about those because those it's fun. But what do you think? Do you think it's worth the investment? Do you think that you're going to get, do you think going out there is going to be the right thing for you to network when there's so many people out there and it is such I, a big... I actually enjoy RSA because so many of my network are in one place that, you know, I can have breakfast with one friend, uh, lunch with three other friends, dinner with two different friends. Um, I, I almost spend more time refreshing and reaffirming my network than I do in sessions. Um, so I, I think, you know, for me, RSSA, RSA and, and those bigger conference are a great chance that so much of the national community is together. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's, I wish I could go to them all, but we have too many uh, of our own events that I can't go to them. But it is just fun to see people you haven't seen and so many people change careers and you kind of lose touch with them. So it's kind of nice to see where they are now and all of that. Yeah, when I go to your Denver event, I, I enjoy the speakers, but I, I get a lot out of just seeing the Denver community, people that I haven't seen for a while. So yeah, it's it's a little of both. Um, uh, um, I, every time I say Corinna, how do you think you say that, Steve? How do you think you say her name? I, I have no skills whatsoever at that, so I'm going to back off. <laughs> she said certifications are just the entry bar, but does not trump experience and unique skills. But that is, that's the problem. That's what we're talking about. The cybersecurity, it, it, let me just read what she said at the end. The cybersecurity needs to be better at helping each other because there is plenty of work for everyone. RSA and then specifically conferences could provide the training and networking opportunities. Corinna, Corinna, Corinna. Okay, thanks. So, um, yeah, she's spot on. Ultimately, all of this is, and it's also about figuring out your learning style. Some of us do better reading. Some of us do better listening. Some of us do better with videos. Some of us are better hands-on. Some of us need a formal course. Some of us, you know, do all of that, but figure out your learning style. I've talked about that quite a few times. Actually sit down and think about how you learn best. Do you need a quiet room? Can you do it on the go? Uh, you know, and, and I think just pursue it. The last thing I want to touch on is what I call the North Star. So when managing your career, I encourage you to sit down and say, what's the last job I want in my career? My ultimate goal is, do I want to have my final job be the, I'll give you three examples, but they may not be right for you. The CISO of a Fortune 500 company, the CTO of a cyber company, or the CEO of my own company. And so if I'm a CISO, that's probably more leadership. If I'm a CTO, I need to stay very technical. If I'm a CEO, I need to learn revenue and HR and marketing and business and and it's a much broader skill set than cyber. So I, I have a fundamental cyber idea, but I need a broader business skill set. You know, and it goes back to, you know, should I have an MBA or or a technical degree as a CISO? There's some debate on that and it depends on the culture of the company you're working in. And so my last thing is, you know, sit down um, and think about what is that ultimate goal you want, and it'll help you 
go after the next job that's the right job to get you to your final job as opposed to sitting around and responding to whatever opportunities come up and let opportunities manage your career. Kim, do you have thoughts on that? Well, I agree with you, but does it have, do your goals have to be, you know, not everyone is going to make it to the C-level or to the CEO. So do you feel like, you know, some people are just okay, you know, with just being, you know, as long as they can afford their bills and, you know, live a comfortable lifestyle. So I actually had somebody that I was in a mentorship relation said, well, my final goal is to be a great family person. You know, my, my goal is to pay my bills, to spend time with my family. And so that, that changed our, our thought on what opportunities he wanted. And so then it was, you know, going back to those, you know, do you want to work in a, a, an analyst position like a, in a security operations center? Not if you want a great family life, because every time a new zero day comes out or, you know, you work extended hours, you're working crises on the weekends. So, you know, if it all depends exactly what you said, you know, I think if your final goal is a CISO, that is great. If it's a family person, if it is a senior architect, but think through that and why that is. And, and obviously if you're in a family, maybe talk to your family about it. So you're all on the same sheet of music. You know, I'm okay with high travel. My family's okay with high travel. I've been married over 30 years. And, and I think if anything, she's worried about when I stop traveling, but you know, so, you know, an example to that, and it's, it's, I know my cousin would never listen to this podcast because he's not in this industry, but his, his, my uncle had a very, very successful law firm and he's retired now and he really wanted his son to take over the law firm. Well, he chose not to go to law school and he wanted to become a plumber. He had been a plumber and he retired very well at 55 and is living his best life. So, you know, I mean, he's, he's done and he's been retired, you know, for about four years and hunts and travels and he's set, you know, cause he worked hard. So I think everybody, you know, everybody has different goals. So it, it, it doesn't, you know, here I am, his cousin, I'm a CEO of a company and I'll probably never retire. So, but I do have the luxury of, you know you know, not working for somebody else. But I still, like you said, if you're the CEO, you still have to worry about revenue and, you know, keeping your employees employed and, you know, making sure you have a good team and all of that. Yeah, and I do think it is worth kind of, just like we talked about that starting role, figuring out what the right fit for you is. I think it's also worth figuring out what that last role should be. And and I prefer to have a plan. Plans change, goals change, and that's fine. Um, and, and you can sh- hopefully always shift to, to a new plan, but I think it is nice to be moving towards a plan because it kind of guides, how should I network? What skills do I need? And so when the opportunity shows up or you can actually go create that opportunity. A couple, I know we're getting close to wrapping up, but Kyle's probably already gone now. Kyle Brown said, I have to run to a meeting. The partner onboarding process is smooth and I take care of everything from you personally. And then uh, 
Coriana, I'm still saying it wrong. North Star, Store, North Star. Wow, I love that example, Steve. Excellent. Um, sorting exercise for what folks may want to do next, which which is you know, a lot of people you know, a lot of people are just they don't know what to do when those devastating words come through that you know we need to talk to you <laughs> and you no longer have a job today. That's not funny. I don't mean to laugh because that is. No, but it yeah. is. It It is. And that's why I tell people, um, and I, I just was talking to a very close personal friend and he's like, oh, no, I'm happy what I'm doing. I'm like, you need a go bag. Uh, you need. And, and if you're not familiar with the go bag, um, it is, is a bag that if you suddenly have to rush out of your house because, you know, there's a fire or whatever, um, that it has everything you need for, for you to go on a mission, for you to, to escape, for for that. And so when I talk about a go bag, you know, I think your employment go bag is you, your resume should not be five years old. Your resume should reflect your current status. Your LinkedIn should be fresh. Your network should be active. Um, it is awful late when you have a crisis. Uh, if, if, you have to start building all that from, and it doesn't take a lot of effort. So I just would encourage people to do that. I know we're almost at time. If you have somebody that's going through this or, or might be good, um, encourage them to watch this. But also I wrote a couple articles on Security Boulevard around these two topics. If you want to share that with anybody going through this or who might benefit from it as well. Uh, Corinna said a uh, career go bag. Um, are you going to create that merch for this? Can I use Can I use them? And, you know, I have to say, you know, I've been through a lot in my life, just like you. I was in the military, and I've had some bad jobs. I've had some companies shut down, and all those things that happened only got me to where I am now. You have to go through the bad to get to the good. You know, that's just part of life. So, you know, I, that that old saying, you know, whatever, you know, doesn't kill you makes you stronger and sometimes yeah. you know losing a job and having to restart over could be the best thing you know for your career doesn't feel like it at the in the moment you know yeah i agree my scar tissue i have a lot of scar tissue some self-inflicted but it has definitely made me who i am today yeah i definitely agree so great topic steve thanks for being on here um steve as if you guys didn't catch the beginning he does um guest host my shows and he is coming back in two weeks we're about to get cut off but what are you going to be talking about in two weeks for our uh, listeners? some research we've done on ransomware so uh it'll it'll just be covering research so yeah, Steve Winterfield, he is advisory CISO for Acme. Thank you so much, Steve, for spending the last hour, 57 minutes with us. Thank you for all of our listeners for tuning in today. And I hope you guys have a great week. Stay safe, stay secure, and I will see you next Friday. Thanks everyone. Thank you for tuning into And Security For All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events.
Are you a cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training, discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureConHQ. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher.